Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Listeners, I'm here today for interview part two with Divya Alter, who's been speaking with us about the connection between yoga and Ayurveda and her life being immersed in it. And today we're going to dig in a little bit deeper. So Divya, welcome back. Thank you, Bob. Today we're going to, we'd like to hear all about your teachers and some of the things that they taught you because you've been fortunate enough to really be with some amazing people. So I'd love to delve in with you a little bit deeper today. Yes, thank you. I love thinking about my teachers and speaking about my teachers. Um, and, and these are people who have really tra- made significant impact in my life. And one of the Vedic practices is to, in yoga and also Ayurveda, is to always remember our teachers before we start teaching ourselves or speaking or basically doing anything uh, in a sense. And they're also like invocation mantras that one can chant in Sanskrit to, to invoke the presence of one's teachers and to also um, connect with their energy and, and ask for guidance and for their blessings um, with whatever we're doing. And, and I find this to be such a beautiful spiritual practice because uh, it, it humbles us. It, it means that we're not like, we don't think like, yeah, I know everything and I'm the one <laughs> who accomplished all this by myself. No, it's actually uh, the things that we've learned and we were influenced by great teachers and great teachers don't have to be just, um, you know, people who are actively teaching. You could learn from a child, uh, you could learn from a tree or from, from an animal. So um, I, I find it very inspiring to always be, to have the attitude of, of a student that I'm always learning something and lessons can come from anywhere in life. Um, well, some, some teachers that have really shaped me up as a person and continue to do so in many different ways uh, for example, uh, my spiritual mentor, <clears throat> his name is Krishnakshetra Swami. And I met him how many years ago? Maybe 20, almost 30 years ago. And um, he, re- till today, he continues to inspire and guide me on, uh, as my spiritual mentor. One thing that he always encouraged me to do was to learn how to cook. And <laughs> so, in the you know, when I at the age of 18, I had no idea how to do anything basically. But he would always say, Well, why don't you learn how to cook? And then a few, a few years later, he would say, What about learning some more cooking? <laughs> and I was already an ashram cook and all that, but he always encouraged me. And one thing that I've learned from him that always inspires me also is that. Um, 
to see people in their perfected state, you know, like we tend to find faults with people and, and see uh, weaknesses and, and criticize those. But um, my spiritual mentor always kind of saw me like where, what I could become. Like, of course he saw where I was at, uh, but also he, he saw the potential and he always uh, guide, guides me in this direction. And sometimes he would, like, for example, I, I didn't know a word of English when I was 18 years old and even 20 years old. And when, when I met him, he said, why don't you learn some English? You'll be able to communicate with a lot more people that way. And at that time I was only speaking German and Russian. And I said, okay, I'll learn some English. <laughs> And so I started learning English and gradually I learned it well enough to become a translator. I, I could be an official translator. I worked as such for a few years. But also um, now you know, I, I'm writing books in English and I basically think in English. <laughs> so um, what, what he taught me is that nothing is impossible. That when you're blessed by um, a well-wisher, um, don't don't limit yourself in what you can do, especially if, if you receive an instruction, a guidance that please do this, you can do this. Like believe in yourself, don't limit yourself because you can probably definitely do this and you will be surprised. And and I always feel when I when I follow these guidelines that it's like, you know, my accomplishments are beyond my capacity. So I'm sure you felt that way too, Bob. It's like you do something and, and it's like, oh, wow, that was me. I wrote this. Or I wrote this. <laughs> so and that that's, of course, the beautiful part of, of, of having a spiritual connection and feeling, feeling that and, and going that way. Well, you tap into something that's deeper than yourself. Yes. Yeah. Deeper and, and bigger. Yes, for sure. And, and also having a humble approach is that I'm not the only doer, you know, I'm not the only person who, who accomplished this. There was a teamwork and um, yeah, like, like people would say, by God's grace, everything is possible. Mm -hmm. And I would say in my life, it, that's definitely true. Like if, if you told me 30 years ago that I would be writing books and having a restaurant and, <laughs> and doing all the things that I'm doing, I would say, what are you kidding me? <laughs> Divya, can you repeat your spiritual mentor's name? Yes, uh, Krishna Kshetra Swami, like Kurukshetra Kshetra Swami. <clears throat> Another teacher who is my teacher's teacher, uh, he's Bhaktivedanta Swami. He, um, one thing that I've learned from him, I didn't meet him personally. I, I, I read his books, I still read his books, but one thing that I've, I've learned from him and that I find very relevant to us today as well is that um, there are three things in life, especially in spiritual life, that we need to always pay attention to. And these are health, sadhana. Sadhana is the Sanskrit word for practice, like a daily practice. And the last is service. And he, he always said that health comes first. So for, <laughs> for 
some years in my initial when I first started my spiritual practice, I tend to neglect my body, you know, because I was young and I was like, yeah, whatever, I can overuse my body <laughs> because I'm still young and I recover quickly. And um, I kind of neglected my health. I was a vegetarian, but I, I wasn't very careful, you know, having a regimen with my meals, eating regular meals on time and all that. And it's and I was just focusing on my practice, my sadhana and my service. They were more important for me. And, and maybe some of our listeners, maybe you find yourself in a period where your career or your studies are more important, you kind of tend to neglect your health. But then what happened is I developed chronic digestive issues. And, and then to, to a point where I was so inca incapacitated and I, I had so little energy that my ill health became the biggest obstacle in, in my practice and my service. <laughs> so then this was a turning point for me because then I began to really appreciate, you know, we hear that the body is a temple of God. I, 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 I see also the body is, um, as a gift. You, we don't really choose our bodies given to us um, and how we use it the body is our instrument with which we can achieve spiritual perfection in this life. So we, we shouldn't neglect the body. That's why yoga and Ayurveda are there for us to help us keep a healthy body, a, a balanced mind, calm, peaceful mind, so that we can really fully take advantage of our spiritual practice. So, yeah, I learned it the hard way. I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> Another teacher, I, so these are the three points, health, practice, and service in this order. <clears throat> and, and I also, the other thing is that being healthy is not a goal for myself, at least, is not a goal of life in, in and of itself. It, I'm, I try to keep my health good so that I can, I can be of service to others. <clears throat> well, it's a foundation. It's a foundation yeah. for those other two, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like having a good house. <laughs> so um, another teacher I've learned from a, a lot of uh, cooking and also the attitude of like, like this more of a spiritual attitude of cooking is Yamuna Devi. She passed away a couple of years ago, but um, she was actually an award-winning cookbook author. She wrote only two cookbooks. She she has three published cookbooks and and uh, they both got uh, awards <laughs> like really exceptional and really amazing cookbooks i highly recommend anybody who likes to learn indian vegetarian cooking check out the books by yamuna devi they're, they're still being sold and uh, she's she's one of um the people i've learned practical cooking a little bit practical cooking from her but also the attitude of um uh, you know cooking as a service and blessing the food cooking with love like the attitude with which we cook uh, creating a sacred space in your kitchen or treating your kitchen as a sacred space like that i've also i don't know if i told you that bob but um i've also studied uh, at the barbara brennan school of healing nope that's news to me <laughs> Are you familiar with Barbara Brennan and her work? I am, yes, but our, our listeners may not be, so please let everybody know who Barbara Brennan is. 
Barbara Brennan is an exceptional energy healer. Uh, she was a NASA physicist. And then she developed these clairvoyant powers. You know, one day she started seeing auras and feeling energies and having like an x-ray vision. <laughs> so um, she started teaching, having like her own practice. And then uh, she wrote really classical books on energy healing. I've also studied Reiki and other energy healing modalities, but I, her books are like, they're really like textbooks on energy healing. And what I love about it is that as a, as a physicist, she explains uh, this subtle phenomenon in a very scientific way. Um, and you know how interesting it is. I, I was in India, how I met her books. Uh, I was in India and my health was really bad. I was just going through a very tough period in my life. And one of my friends, um, he was a Reiki master and he had her books like in the middle of a little village, like a little village in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> hard to get there. So he said, here are her books, you know, he's like, why don't you read these books? Because they have really nice exercises and ex explanations. And I started, I started reading and then explained a lot of what I was going through. And it helped me kind of find peace um, and just more clarity. And then one day he went to Calcutta just to do some shopping and he saw, her, and her books are really big. They're like Hands of Light and Light Emerging, two of her famous books. And he found these two, just one of each copy. I, I guess a tourist left them in a tea shop, like, like in the most unexpected place. And he bought them for me because I really wanted to have my own copy. And, and then from there, I just developed a re, like real desire. I felt so connected to her. And I'm like, I really want to study with her. So when I came to the United States, I had the opportunity to study. I, I did just the first year of school together with my husband, Prentice. We, we did this training before we got married. It really helped us <laughs> get to know each other better. But um, yeah, and I it was really transformational. So it really helped me with my own like psychological defenses and um, letting go of a lot of, I would say energetic blockages. I really, I highly recommend this for, not just for people who want to be healers, but for anybody who wants to kind of overcome mental, emotional, psychological obstacles. So that was very helpful. And then my Ayurveda teacher, Vaidya Ramakant Mishra, he was the successor of the Shaka Vansya Ayurveda lineage. So Ayurveda just with yoga, it has many different lineages uh, and the knowledge has been passed down from father to son or from student to, from teacher to student through centuries basically. So um, I had an autoimmune disease when I first met him and he um, really, really transformed me in terms of understanding how my body works and mind. And it just, he explained, he used to teach Ayurveda in a way that made so much more sense to me. And he also made Ayurveda very relevant to the way we live today but also without compromising the knowledge and the principles. And that really inspired me. He was, he was very authentic 
And um, yes, I don't have autoimmune disease now <laughs> anymore. <laughs> he helped me heal, but also he was a, an incredible cook. And along my healing journey, I was already trained as a cook. I had a lot of cooking experience. Met him, I started learning because of particular when I met him. So following his recipes and the principles of Ayurveda that he taught, um, that's when I decided to dedicate, like to take it up as my occupation, but also dedicate my, 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 my life to teaching others how to cook Ayurvedically and experience the benefit of Ayurvedic cooking. Well, maybe that's a good a good moment to kind of uh, back up a little bit about Ayurveda for our listeners who know absolutely nothing about it. So, how would you describe the the foundational principles of Ayurveda? Yeah, so Ayurveda comes from India is a traditional medical science of India, just like China has traditional Chinese medicine, and historically, traditional Chinese medicine originated from India. <clears throat> from Ayurveda, like centuries ago. Um, and the goal of Ayurveda is, the Ayurveda teaches us how to live in harmony with nature. The nat our own nature, each, each of us has an individual nature, individual constitution, character and all that, but also the nature around us. So how to live in harmony. And um, the three pillars of Ayurveda, so to say, are diet, routine, and environment, the environment we live in. Diet is the food we eat, how we eat, when we eat it. Routine is basically our lifestyle, which includes sleep and recreation, work, exercise, basically everything we do. Of course, where we live, all the other beings around us. Uh, so that's the environment. And um, each one of us has unique constitution, unique body type. And Ayurveda also, it's a very vibrational medicine. It, it really, it's very subtle because it addresses the energies in the body and also around us and how, how to balance both. So um, Ayurveda speaks about the three doshas, which are energies in the body, for example, the air and space element. Um, the air element, it, it helps move everything in the body. Of course, we breathe, we speak. So all movements are go governed by air. Space is everything in between. <laughs> uh, so air and space in Ayurveda are called vata. Vata is governs the nervous system, for example. It governs circulation. It governs the movements of the mind. It also governs the intelligence of the body to do what it's supposed to do. So, you know, all these processes, the unlimited processes in the body, it's such a miracle, this body, how it works. So how does the body know um, that it needs to send white blood cells when you cut yourself, you know, to that place? So all, all this intelligence of the body is governed by Vata. I call it the airy energy in my book. And then um, the element of fire. 
with a little bit of water. It's called pitta. That fiery energy governs circulation, I'm sorry, governs digestion. So it helps us digest our food, but also mental digestion, basically breaking things down. <laughs> That's the, the, the job of fire. Also, it governs metabolism. So all the transformation processes. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, illumination, like uh, just like fi fire is very sharp. Somebody who is more fiery by nature, they might have very sharp intelligence, ab ability to perceive and envision like that. Um, and then um, the elements of water and earth. So all water element, all the fluids in the body, like saliva and blood and sweat and mucus <laughs> and joint fluid. I mean, there's so many fluids in the body. And then um, the earth element is the structural elements. So bones, fats, muscles, these are all a representation of earth element. So that's the earthy type. Some people have more of those energies. So they are the earthy types. It's called Kapha in Ayurveda. And Kapha governs stability. It governs um, integration <clears throat> of the body. And somebody who is more Kapha predominant, they usually very grounded people. Uh, they're heavier, they have heavier structure and they are very like I, I they, they 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 tend to be slow but steady there are many many characteristics described so each one of us has a unique combination of these three energies and based on what your combination so you can determine what what your combination is um, by seeing a good ayurvedic practitioner they will check your pulse and they will tell you not only what your constitution is, but also which energies are out of balance, because it's important to work to bring those back to balance. And um, yeah, so based on your body type, then you will determine what foods are good for you to favor and avoid, what to be careful with. You kind of understand your strengths and weaknesses better. Wonderful. Divya, that's gonna be a perfect time for us to stop here and find out much more in our final session about how you're integrating all these things that you've described. And, and it's really been a, a fascinating journey with you to get to where we are now. So thank you so much for being here with us on day two of our sessions together. Thank you so much, Bob. And thank you everyone for listening. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.